They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of life. Thanks be to God. These several Sundays following Easter, we're following these accounts from the Acts of the Apostles, detailing to us what happened to those first disciples once they began to recognize that God had raised Jesus from the dead, that He was still alive, that He was still available, that God was still at work, that what they thought was failure and defeat was indeed just the opposite of that. These stories tell us how these first disciples began to understand and then respond to what God was doing. They also describe for us, particularly our reading today, the impact that it had on their lives, the lives of those first disciples. When they were living together, when they were speaking to each other, when they were having fellowship and breaking of bread and praying together. I want us to understand how they understood it, and how they responded. But of course, if you've heard me preach for very long, you know that I also want to get to that step before we finish where we think about our own lives and how it impacts us today. How these experiences the first disciples had with God through Christ changes how we live our lives today. Because that's what we find in story after story after story. As you read through these accounts and acts, you find that lives changed. And so I want us to think about our, our lives changed. We celebrated Easter here. Now we're a few weeks past that. Is there any difference in the way that we live? Because we celebrated together on Easter Sunday morning. What we find is that the disciples experience stronger faith and prayer, more courage and confidence, greater generosity and goodwill. Have we experienced that? Certainly part of the reason we come is hoping for a surge in faith, that we might grow in grace and faith because of our time here together in worship that we might experience God's presence working in our own lives. So we should think that perhaps we could gain stronger faith and prayer, more courage and confidence in our life of faith, perhaps greater generosity and goodwill. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that kind of experience? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that kind of community where they were coming together, supporting and loving and caring for each other and lifting each other up all as they strive to follow what God was doing in Christ and leading them to do? 
Apparently, it was very attractive in the first century. The verse just before where we began to read, after it tells us about Peter's proclamation, says that 3,000 people responded. That those people were coming to faith, that they were turning to God, receiving the waters of baptism, receiving the forgiveness of sins, and opening themselves to the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the verse we began with today tells us what their lives looked like after that transformative moment, how their lives changed, what their priorities were, where they were focused. That's verse 42. This is what Luke writes in this verse. These first disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They're devoted. They devoted themselves to this life of faith. It indicates a change in their lives, a refocusing of their priorities. Has that happened for you? Have you devoted yourself to your faith? It says they devoted themselves. Then the second half of the sentence tells us about what practices they were devoting themselves to, what they were actually doing in their daily lives. Some people make the mistake of making a true commitment to God in Christ and then sitting back to wait to see what God's going to do next or waiting for God to change them or change their circumstances. But they've missed the second half of this verse, if they think God is the only one who has a role to play. For this verse tells us these first disciples jumped into action, made commitments, and devoted themselves to these practices. They mentioned four different practices. Let's look at them this morning. First, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, we have an introduction to that in this second chapter of Acts. There's many other stories in Acts that tell us about what the apostles were doing and saying. But, of course, we also have letters that come later in the Christian Scriptures in your Bible that are attributed to the apostles. Of course, we also have the four Gospels that tell us about what they were talking about and the content of their faith and why they were followers of Jesus. The question for us is, have we devoted ourselves to Bible study? Have we devoted ourselves just as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to these writings that teach us about who God is and what God is doing in the world? What role have you given Bible study in your daily life, in your life of faith? Second, it says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They thought it was important who they spent time with. Who do you spend your time with? And given, as you think about that, who you're spending your time with, ask yourselves, are they leading me to, toward God? Or are they leading me away from God? Jim Rohn was a master teacher. He was a businessman and an entrepreneur. He became a traveling motivational speaker before the end of his life. I had a couple of opportunities to hear him speak on both occasions that I heard him. He made a point 
about how important it is to think about with whom we spend our time. He would suggest we ask ourselves, what have they got me reading? What have they got me saying? Where do they have me going? What do they have me thinking? And most important, I put this one in your outline, what do they have me becoming? Then he would pause and then ask, is that okay? Rome believed that there were two parts of influence. He wrote, first, influence is powerful. Second, it is subtle. He writes, you wouldn't let someone push you off course, but you might let someone nudge you off course over time and not even realize it. Acts says that these first disciples devoted themselves to fellowship. Third, they devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. To the breaking of bread. Now this has a couple of different implications for us this morning. The first one is that these first disciples understood table fellowship and eating with one another was important for their life of faith. It was important that they were together and broke bread together. For in the first century, breaking bread together meant more than just having a meal. It meant that you were valued, that you were welcome, that you were acceptable in this community, that you were a part of whomever you were eating with. It meant I have a commitment to your welfare once we have eaten together. It establishes a longer-term relationship. When we read about the life of Jesus, we're often told about where he went to eat, whom he ate with. And as a result of that, he received lots of criticism. You remember, he was called a glutton and a drunkard. He was called a lover of sinners. And they loved tax collectors because he was willing to sit down at a table with them and have a meal. It was scandalous. And yet Jesus did it over and over. These early disciples remember that. And they break bread or eat together. John Dominic Crossan is one of the leading biblical scholars of our day. He writes some about this. I want to read you a few sentences. He says, those events are not just ones of eating together, of simple table fellowship but are what anthropologists call commensality from mensa, the Latin word for table. It means the rules of tabling and eating as miniature models for the rules of association and socialization. It means table fellowship as a map of economic discrimination, social hierarchy, and political differentiation. Crossing goes on to write, open commensality is the symbol and embodiment of radical egalitarianism, of an absolute equality of people that denies the validity of any discrimination between them. These first disciples, in continuing this table fellowship, 
take a step that continues the work and ministry of Jesus. It is a radical departure from first century Judaism and a departure from first century life in general. But they continue to believe that it's important to have an open table, to receive any and all. Those thousands who are coming are welcomed in. They receive the message that you are a part of us and you're acceptable and valued and we are glad you're here. Let us sit down and eat together. But there's a second implication here also in this idea of breaking of bread together. It draws from that last meal Jesus has with his disciple before the crucifixion. The Last Supper, that becomes known as the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, where Jesus eats with them and breaks bread and raises a cup and then says to them, whenever you do this, remember me. Whenever you eat together, whenever you drink with others, remember me. These first disciples were devoted to continuing the sacred meal in which they remember Jesus, not only as resurrected and exalted, but as the crucified and suffering one, the one who came to give his life and love to the whole world. They want to remember him every time they come to the table. And whenever we come to the table, whenever we participate in Holy Communion as United Methodist, we say this is an open table. We invite any and all who are responding and wanting to be a follower of Jesus, for we say this is Christ's table. This is not our table. And Jesus welcomed any and all who would come, and so we are to do the same. So when we participate in a few moments in actually receiving the elements of Holy Communion and kneeling with brothers and sisters in Christ, we are continuing this tradition of devotion that we read about in Acts where we break bread together and remember Christ our Lord. Now the fourth and final item that Acts mentions is that they devoted themselves to prayers. They devoted themselves to prayers conversation with God speaking and listening for God is bedrock practice for people who are followers of Christ we all need to be participating in this ongoing conversation with God so that we might speak our needs and concerns to God but even more importantly listen to what God is saying to us and how God is leading or guiding us or working in our lives of course, we have the Psalms, just as they did, that they use very often as we use them in worship for prayers. We have the Lord's Prayer, which we can find in Scripture that we rehearse and pray together every Sunday. There's lots of contemporary resources to help people learn how to pray and books of prayers. It matters not so much which ones you use, but that you are using some that you see prayer as a critical component of your life of faith. Are you devoted to praying? Acts tells us that one of the bedrock actions these first disciples take as a response to the resurrection is that they devoted themselves to prayer. 
verse 46 and the first part of 47 gives us a summary of all of this in a sense. It says, day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. It indicates to us that this wasn't a one-time experience, but was a lifestyle. It was the ongoing rhythm of life that they participated in. These four practices shaped who they were and how they related to one another and to their own lives. It says that it, this life was marked by gladness, goodwill, praise to God, generosity, a lifestyle that the world is crying out for. What if we could be a witness to a life of gladness and generosity and goodwill? What if we were people contributing to building relationships of goodwill? How vital a witness would that be in our world today? I've put a few questions at the end of your outline. You'll have time while you're waiting for communion or after you've already received the elements of Holy Communion while others participate. Maybe you want to think about these. What is your plan? Do you have a plan for your Christian life? What is your daily practice? Do you incorporate these four fundamental practices that we find the first disciples using at the core of their life of faith? And then finally, has the resurrected, resurrection impacted your life as it did those first disciples? Amen.